Welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. For those of you that have not been here before, let's. I, I like to do this little preamble, and I'm going to remind you why I do it. Because some people, I bet you there's people on here that could just do it just as well as I can. I'm sure Chris Carson and Tracy Pinter and little face freckle, little face, little space freckles um, <laughs> could uh, could say this just as, just as well as I could. But I like to just say it again and again because I don't know who's here for the first time. So if you are here for the first time, know that my name is CJ Reynolds. I am the... the mastermind behind this channel real rap with Reynolds real rap meaning real talk meaning there's no nonsense here uh, the subtitle to my book was supposed to be um, the no bullshit guide to teaching instead we call it the no real the real rap guide to teaching and now I have a bunch of people that think that my book's about rapping and it's not um, so you know I didn't I didn't know I didn't think of that anyway the whole idea behind this Sunday night, which is really Sunday afternoon, but it used to be Sunday night, but now it's Sunday afternoon meeting is to shine a light in a dark place. And that dark place is Sunday afternoons and evenings uh, where teachers, especially this time of the year, are feeling maybe particularly anxious or they're feeling good and they want to show up and help other people. So we show up every Sunday night for one another. Um, and it's not just me, right? I'm the talking head here, but it is this is a communal activity meaning it is myself and it is all the, you know, however many people are showing up here on a given Sunday evening to share what's going on in their lives, to maybe help somebody out, to find some resources for someone. Um, so that's what we're doing here. If this is not enough, you have got, if you are not a part of it, even if you don't like social media, you need to be a part of our Facebook group because the people in the Facebook group um, are they take care of one another. If you have a question, a comment, a concern, something going on in your life, you put that stuff out there, people in the Facebook group will really help you. Um, one of my favorite feeds this week, I don't remember who did the dog, the pet one, right? This is like not, so one thing we're noticing is there's tons of posts about like Google Classroom, Canva, that sort of Schoology are all in there right now because everyone's trying to figure out how they're gonna do online schooling this year. The other thing is, Somebody posted the other day that said like, is anyone else feeling really anxious about the beginning of the school year? Maybe we should just have a thread of us posting pictures of our pets. And then she posted a picture of her dog and then somebody had over a hundred. <laughs> it was so, See, I didn't get even a chance to look through all of them. I wanted when we to, looked, it was, it was 96 hilarious. comments, it's but it was like people's now. chickens and all kinds of stuff. Oh, it was pets. fantastic. It was but the idea here though, is that teaching has to be a communal activity. Right? If we don't take care of ourselves, no one's going to take care of teachers for us. Clearly, we can see that in the way that the world is kind of running right now, um, where all this blame is being put on teachers and all, and all this stuff. But what we're doing is working through this together. Um, so you can ask any question. Any question is not off the table. Um, it could be about schooling. It could be something outside of schooling. Like whatever is important to you, I am willing to just to discuss. But know this: that if you're new, I might not be the only person that's going to touch on this. There are other people, there's whole conversations happening in the thread. Uh, feel free to engage in those, feel free to not engage in those and just sit quietly and like fold your laundry or whatever you're doing right now, but know that that exists. Um, so there's the Facebook group. There's also private mentoring that you can get through going through my website, realrapwithreynolds.com. There's also my book, Teach Your Class Off. Um, we passed a hundred, we passed a hundred reviews on Amazon. <laughs> And I'm stoked. I don't know why, but it's just fun to read those things because they're just nice and I wish I could comment back to them. And I think we passed four ratings 
on the Barnes & Noble website. Thanks to, uh, I think James Peach is the only person I remember off the top of my head that went on and was like, no, nah, I'll do a rating on, I'll do, I'll do a rating on the other website. Um, so that's, that's been fun too. Uh, oh, if you have questions, if you could put question ahead of it or the letter Q, that would just help us to identify it. And then my buddy Edie, uh, Edie, I saw your second um, text too, but I was trying to get my phone set up so we could do this, so I didn't have time to really look at it. But uh, Edie, who is my helper router, she's doing it, and my wife are over here. Make sure we don't miss anyone's questions. What do you got there, dude? Drink some sad she's face juice. Here. Nick said, how are you going to spend the last days of summer? My school started on the 5th. It's been a wild ride. I'm sure, dude. So, Nick, I am... I took the last week off and did zero work. I didn't look at the news. I didn't look at social media. I didn't look at comments, questions, any of that stuff. Um, emails, nothing. So that is the first time I've done that in the last four years of doing YouTube. I've not been on a vacation in four years. And that's something that's not, I don't say that to be like, I feel like there's a lot of like, uh, I love Gary V, but there's a lot of that kind of sensibility where people often listen to Gary V and then they go, um, yeah, I got to work 16 hours a day. There's no days off. I don't stop to pee in the middle of the day. Like it's just full force all the time. And I don't think that that's, I mean, I've met Gary multiple times, but like, and, and I've talked to him about this and he's like, it's not about that. It's about figuring out what's right for you. And what I'm figuring out is right for me is taking breaks. So my new plan is to take um, a week off every quarter. And so, and that's a, a date that is determined by me. So maybe that's like just chilling at home. Maybe that's, um, going somewhere, you know, as soon as I can go somewhere, but like that's, so I've been off for the last week and it has been glorious. We went to the mountains, we went to the beach. Um, uh, I asked how was the Poconos? Poconos was awesome, man. I forget, I forgot how much I love the Poconos. If you live in the Pennsylvania area, Bushkill Falls is like an, amazing place i felt like i was in like the uh where the elves live in lord of the rings it was so magical and, and peaceful and then just being on the lake we like took kayaks out on the lake um jen i actually so i'm gonna tell you this story <laughs> i so marley had a paddle board i had a kayak brody just held on to whoever was around and just sat in a float and let his 10 year old sister drag him across the lake Jen, I had this float with a back with arms on it, it was awesome. and this little baby paddle. But she was like, <laughs> "It was perfect." This is exactly what she looked like. <laughs> it was hilarious. It was awesome. So that's you know, and I'm I'm gonna work a lot this week, but I'm gonna intersperse it and start trying to balance things out a little bit too, because I know going back to school, um, one of my big pushes is mental space, and we can we can talk about that if it comes up tonight, but. Uh, what do you got, I think dude? you should, because someone, someone commented and said, I just had a crying session about what to expect for the first day of school tomorrow. I'm so anxious. So I think mm. that that needs to be a good... So here's your first one. Okay, so we'll get to that one. Well, that wasn't a question. It was oh, okay. Well, I want to address that, though. Yeah. Catherine Metcalf is asking, are you teaching virtually, Reynolds? Or are you teaching in-person and online? Uh, Philadelphia School District has decided to teach all virtual. Um, I am not sure that my school had to adhere to that, but they did. Um, here's the problem with, with my school. It's almost like, it's almost like you want to, you want to compete with people to see like, well, how bad's yours? Oh yeah. Yours is that bad. Check this out. Um, I still have not gotten a letter from my school. I have no idea when we start. I have no idea when PD starts. Um, we usually get a letter like the first week of August, letting us know all of that stuff. So you can sort of start like 
gearing up um, and at least get in the mental space. I, I don't know. I also don't know if my students are going to have access to books. So since I teach literature, we teach five or six novels a year. I don't know if they have access to any of that stuff. I don't know if I'm teaching through some kind of online textbook. So I literally have no idea what I'm teaching. Here's what I know. I don't care. Um, and I don't care because I know that I can do it. I know that like, I know that look, so I, here's, here's how I'm choosing. I just had a conversation with my friend Jill about this the other day. Um, I am planning that the beginning of my, my first week. So I'm not even sure how we're rolling, going back to school out. Cause usually it's just freshmen on that first Wednesday and then sophomores and juniors Thursday only, and then only seniors on Friday. And the beauty of that is you have freshmen in the building and there's no one else. But now that we're virtual, maybe we all start on Wednesday. I have no idea. That aside, my first day will look exactly the same way as it does in the classroom. I'm just talking about, I'm glad to be here. I love that I'm your teacher. I love teaching. Um, here's a little bit about me. And um, this is a little bit of what you can expect for the year. That, that expect for the year part is kind of like, this is what we usually do. I'm going to try and fit this into this virtual world. I'm still going to try and have speakers. I'm still going to try and do trips, even though there'll be virtual trips. Um, I, it's like, we're going to figure this out, right? So like, don't let the fact that this is virtual, um, hamper anything for you. The second day is policies and procedures, but, and I don't usually go into that right away, but I'm going into it because we are, because I just feel like, um, there's so much newness and we're using Schoology and I don't know anything about Schoology. We used Google Classroom last year. So it's like, this is all new for us. It's all new for the students. And so let's figure this out. I want to give you, empower you to let you know, here's how you get on here. Here's how you can email if you have a question. Here's how you can contact me if you need to, that kind of thing. And then the third day is, uh, the life map project, which I've talked about in a ton of videos, which is basically you working for like from birth till now, right? For students and for me from birth until now, what 10 moments made you into the individual you are today? And that's going to be the first project. And then two days when we go back to school on, so I talk about that project and what I expect and all that stuff on Friday, um, on Monday and Tuesday, the following week, we'll work on that project together on Wednesday. If I feel like we still need it. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we are presenting those projects. So now I've already bought myself. So even though I don't know anything about the beginning of the year, I'm sticking to that no matter what. That buys me a week and a half to prep. So I am already prepped. It is student run. Most of that stuff is just student led even. So I don't have to do work during those days in a sense that like I'm not planning, I'm not getting stuff ready. So if you can figure out a way to sort of like lock yourself in for a week and a half in the beginning. I just think that it helps. So that that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking about. I saw the finger you were giving me the yeah. let's go mm -hmm. dude. And I felt like that was a good answer. It was. I love, we're great. <laughs> uh, Manel is asking what kind of error correction strategies should teachers employ on language in the language classroom? You can do this, dude, do it smaller. How do you do it? Hold on, I'm sorry, Minel. I'm gonna answer your question in just a sec. See, uh, in language classroom, and thank you. You are helping us a lot. I appreciate that. So I think, I I really like Google Docs. Um, I'm not sure if, I'm interested if anyone else that's teaching like 
whether it's English or some other language, um, how you're, you're doing this as well. I focus on only a few things on any given assignment. So my list is usually no more than five. And depending on the class, some, even though it's high school, sometimes that's capitalization, punctuation, it's uh, not beginning the sentence with words that you shouldn't begin a sentence with, it's paying attention to spelling, because kids, the squiggly line is a flaming indicator that the word is spelled incorrectly, perhaps. So it is, um, it's working on things like that. Sometimes it is, if I'm working on a specific writing strategy, it's looking for like maybe transition words or transition phrases to get from one sentence to another, from one paragraph to another, whatever that is. So, and the kids, I make it abundantly clear. These are the things I'm looking for, right? So I'm not always looking for things like run on sentences. I'm not always looking for things like, um, for like, like comma splices and stuff like that. Sometimes it is, and this can be in any class, right? So it doesn't just have to be English. It is having a very clear indicator for students what they're looking for. And I think when you're not looking for a hundred things and you're looking for five things, it helps kids to focus in and it helps it. I think that helps students to realize that this is something I can do, right? So most people don't work out because they think they have to do the whole giant workout. But what if you did five things? What if you just did two things or one thing for a certain student? Like what if you really pared it down, trimmed the fat and focused on those things? I think that's the way to do it. And I like Google because I can highlight stuff because I can type faster than I can write. Um, I can copy and paste. So if I'm seeing common errors, I just make a section in my notes section on my Mac. And then I just drag those comments over, copy and paste them in that section. And that helps you to move fast through that. So it's like not, you're not writing the same thing a hundred times. You are just moving it over. And then the, the beauty in that doing that as well is you start noticing like, damn, I've been saying this to a lot of kids. Like, I think maybe I probably wasn't very clear on my instructions because I've been saying this to a lot of kids. So that's, that's what I'm thinking. What you got dude? Chris Chong, my buddy, is saying, hey, Reynolds, how do you plan to structure your week either week this year? E.g., used to do vocabulary on Monday. Re Sorry, we're moving the thing over, so it's breaking up my question. Um, vocabulary on Monday, reading on Wednesday, assessment on Friday. Uh, so, dude, that's a great question. Because I don't know what I'm doing this year, like, I, I don't, I can't, Chris, I can't get my head around how to really assess kids online like i just feel like it is i have a suggestion for you go ahead you should go into our private facebook group because there's so many people in there with great answers are they talking about that i think they're talking about everything in there especially when it comes to at least that's what i see when i glance in there that's great oh my god this stuff's so dumb if anyone drinks kombucha i mean come on dude this stuff is like it's like rack tears Oh my goodness. Stop saying it's so awful. I know, that's that's how awful it is. Um, Chris, my idea is to keep it similar. So here's what I want to do. I don't necessarily like the word routine um, or or the idea that the like my class is often the very same thing in, in a lot of different ways from day to day, but that's because I want to build consistency. What I like to think of it is as my, my friend Alex Kajitani, I'm gonna quote my source, uh, talks about life having rhythms or his house having rhythms or his class having rhythms. And I like that idea because the rhythm is something that like we all kind of know what's going next, that you can keep a 4-4 four, four beat 
on, on a drum set. But like when you're doing that, it is, it's not like, Oh God, this is the worst. Like you can hear that, like, like that drum beat over and over and over again. And it's, there's something rhythmic about it. You know, what's coming up next. You can get into the flow of it. And if we're help, trying to help our students get into that flow state so they can produce better work, um, and, and have a more comfortable time in the class. That's what we're kind of looking for. So it's about, for me this year, it's trying to figure out new rhythms. Now, I would do vocab on Monday. That's still cool with me, but I don't know that how to necessarily assess that at the end of the week. Um, I can't do independent reading on Wednesdays. We actually don't have classes in uh, like virtual classes on Wednesdays. It's for meetings. So it's like, I think it's going to look like Monday we'll introduce something new. Tuesday we'll go a little bit deeper. Um, Wednesday's supposed to be your assignment is due, but that just seems dumb to me. So I'm just not going to follow that. Um, Thursday, we'll do something with what we learned. And then Friday, there will be some sort of assessment um, piece to that. But I don't, again, like I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, I've also, you know, it's tough for me to say right now too, because I've never taught live before. Uh, I've never taught a live class with students in it. We did all um, asynchronous last year. And so to go back into school and do this sort of like synchronous approach is like, it's weird to me. So I got to like figure out some, it's kind of like, I, I guess like it feels like the first round of a boxing match. Um, so like if you get in the first round of a boxing match, like you've heard of your other opponent, you've watched tape of them, but you don't really know how they fight. Um, I think I have to get in there and like, you know, try some stuff first and then feel out like how the rest of the rounds are going to go. What you got? Uh, I'm not, is that Louise? Luis? Sanchez? Louis? I'm sorry if I'm saying that. Louis, I'm, I apologize. I'm, I'm not very smart sometimes. Um, <laughs> That's not true. You're just bad with vowels. Sanchez is asking, how does one plan uh, on building connections with students in an online environment? My school is staying online for the, for this semester and I, sorry, making me read this slow. <laughs> I don't know how to get it to go over. And I don't know what I will... Okay, we get the gist of it, though. So, um, I would say... The way... So... I have some ideas. But I think the gist of this is going to be... It's just... We are not... Look, what I'm trying not to do... And, and I'm going to... I'm going to talk about me. and Because I don't really know, like, how everyone else is feeling about this or how they're thinking about this. I'm sure all everyone's thinking about relationship building, especially if you follow my channel. I talk about relationships a lot because I think it is, they, relationships are king in the classroom. It, with regards to that though, I can't do what I've always done. So I, there's sometimes there's just no use in trying to recreate and have that same thing now. So before, if let's say Monday was, let's say tomorrow was my first day of school. I'd be out in front of the school, shaking every single hand, talking to every kid as they come in, saying hello to everyone, right? I want them to see this face. And there's not a lot of us that do that. There's a handful of people that go out front. Um, I would do that for the whole week. So when each class came back, I want them to see Reynolds. I want them to see me out there. Um, and then when they come into my class, I would shake every single hand that came into my class. Again, it is a sign of respect. And it is me saying that, showing you that I see you. It is also me letting my face be known again, right? So the kids are getting more and more familiar with me. Um, I'm then in the hallway at the end of the day saying goodbye to kids. Um, and then 
you know, and, and that takes forever. I'm also like eating lunch with students and stuff like that, but it's like that kind of familiarity builds, builds trust. I think in students, because they see you out there, they see you with the other kids, they see you getting along a lot of, for a lot of us. And I, and I fall into this category. I live off my reputation. The kids from last year, from the year before, from the year before are telling the freshmen, yo, Reynolds is this, Reynolds is this, in, in a positive way. And if they tell them that I'm something bad, I go, that kid's an idiot and he doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, so it is like, it's trying to figure out how do I build that trust? Um, are you laughing because I called someone an idiot? No, I'm laughing at my oh. inability to use Google. I don't know what the hell okay. I'm doing over here. So, it's not a deal. <laughs> so you can put it on 50% too if you want to. I don't know how it got there. I don't even know how this got highlighted. Okay. This is why I don't do Google. Girl, it's all right. Keep I got going. you. We're going to have to have Edie's going to do a lesson. With <laughs> um, we, so my, my game plan so far is that from day one, the kids just need to know that I care, that I got you, that even though we're learning virtually, we're going to try and have the greatest year ever. And I'm not going to say that with like, look guys, you know, it's, it's not going to be the same. We're going to try. All right. Do our best to have the greatest year. No, no, dude. You got to walk in there like you're, you know, I, uh, this is, this is slightly religious, but one of my favorite lines of all time in a song is, um, Peter Gabriel in the song big time. He says, uh, I will, and my heaven will be a big heaven and I will walk through the front door. And so I love that line because this idea of like, just, I, it sounds like when, um, I'm going to make another boxing reference, but when Conor McGregor walks into the ring, like that's how I want to walk into class every day. And whether it's virtual, whether it's in person, whether I'm teaching on top, I don't know, teaching with a megaphone in the middle of a field, I want the students to at least think that I got this on lock. I got it, right? I can still be vulnerable. I can still share some things I'm concerned about this year, but I want you to know that like, it's kind of like when we're lost, when I'm lost in my car, right? And this is in the world with GPS. Sometimes the GPS doesn't know where the hell you are. And sometimes you're in a place that gets no internet connection. Um, when I'm lost and the kids go, dad, you know where you're going? Guys, I got it. That's got it. I got it under control because I don't want them to worry needlessly, right? We're going to figure it out. We're not going to not get home. This isn't some movie where we get lost in the wilderness for the next 30 years. Um, but I want them to know I got you no matter what. You don't learn well online. You didn't have a good experience doing virtual learning last year. Don't worry, I got you. We'll figure it out, right? I'm gonna work with you. I'm gonna work with your family. I'm gonna work with my colleagues. We're gonna figure this thing out. Um, that is how I plan on building relationships because I, my hope is that the students will see that authenticity, that realness, and that, that I really, really care. And I think that just that little bit sometimes is, is what makes the difference. What you got? Tiffany is asking, tell us more about the type of questions that you have your students answer for the letter to themselves. All right, great question. Um, hold on, I'm gonna drink these rat tears first. Oh, mm. Edie fixed it. She's so good. Oh my gosh, it's like camel sweat. Um, so I, there's a couple of things I want kids to know. So for those of you that don't know, on the very first day of school, and this year is gonna be weird because they're gonna have to send it to me in some kind of Google doc. Um, I am going to, I have students answer questions or write themselves a letter on the first day of freshman year. When they show up for graduation, I then bring those letters to graduation 
and I hand them out. So some kids, four years later, you get a letter. Some kids, five years later, you get a letter. Some kids, um, and look, this works. I, let's be real about this for a minute. Um, some kids don't graduate. Some kids drop out, still get you the letter. If I know where you live or if I know someone that knows where you live, I make sure you get the letter. Some kids I've had have been locked up. Um, I still get you the letter. Send them, I find out like where they are, where they're, where they're incarcerated, and I make sure that they get the letter. Because the idea is for you to see that growth can happen, to see that things change, to see that you can develop. Um, and that, look, even if you are in prison, even if you are in a position in your senior year that you're not happy with, even if you dropped out and now you're working nights at UPS, things can happen. Things can change. You can grow. You can develop. It's, a real, it's one of my favorite things that I do. It, it, and it's literally my favorite, favorite night of the year is giving those letters back to kids. Because um, you see kids that didn't think they could make it, make it. So anyway, what do I ask them in it? I want them to give one is a snapshot of your life, right? And I will never read these. And they need to know that 100% that I'm not going to look at these. I'm not going to read them. You can say anything you want. I don't care about spelling, punctuation, cursing. But be mindful that, and this isn't to scare anyone, there have been a handful of times where a student has come into my class in freshman year um, and they have not made it to senior year, meaning that they have either been killed or they've died, un unfortunately. And, and so um, those letters like get handed off to your parents. Uh, so don't you know trash your mom in your letter and tell her I, you hate your mom because she made you go to all boys school. Um, be, be nice. So uh, with that, it's like, where do you live? Who do you live with? Who, do you share a room? What's your favorite song? What's your favorite TV show? What's your favorite movie? What's your favorite, um, who's your best friend? Who, what are you thinking about when you look around the school? Like, what's this year going to be like? What teacher are you going to love? What teacher are you not going to like? What sport do you want to try out for? Um, you know, who are you? Who's kind of your crew, right? So I laughingly say this, but it is kind of true. Boys typically have the same best friend from freshman year to senior year. Girls typically have a new best friend every two weeks. Um, and that is just something that I've, I used to laugh at all of my, you know, my female students and I would laugh about that um, last year. Because two weeks in the freshman year, I'd, I'd make that joke on the first day and they're like, yo, Reynolds, you were right. I can't stand her now. And, and so that's always just hilarious to me. Anyway, um, because all that stuff's going to change, especially within hip hop culture, or pop culture, music, and, and, and that music, movies, that stuff changes so quickly. The second thing I want you to think about is asking yourself questions in four years that you don't have answers to now. So maybe that is, how, when does COVID end? When do I get to see my friends again? How is my grandmother okay? Maybe someone's pregnant in your family and you're not sure if it's a boy or a girl and you're not sure how that, like, like what did they have? Because um, if they have that baby this year, you're going to have a three or four year old in your house by the time you graduate. Um, what maybe your family's thinking about moving. Maybe there's something going on at home and your parents are thinking about breaking up um, and you're wondering how that's going to turn out. So what you're doing is asking yourself questions that in four years there will be answers to. And um, that's just really fun to kind of to experiment to do. So that's what I ask. Uh, my buddy, Piano Boy. Piano Boy, I'm going to hit you back on your email today. Uh, we're going to talk. Um, what's a way to alleviate first-year teacher stress? I think, look, I think there's, there's a beauty in embracing the chaos. Um, I think, buddy, that there, there's, there's a lot to say about this. What comes to mind immediately 
is I, I like things to go a certain way. I live a very rhythmic life, but I don't like when someone, like if you're listening to a song and it's a scent, it's, it feels the same as, and it's on a record player and someone bumps the record player and it skips, that drives me crazy. Whether it's my kids, whether my, I'm mowing the lawn, I'm doing my thing and I'm flowing and my, and Jenna comes outside and she wants to ask me a question or something like that. It's like, oh man, like I get, I get frustrated because I like being in that, right? We're being real now. I interrupt um, the flow a lot, <laughs> but, but I don't, I don't do well with that. No, all the I know time. you don't. Now here's how I get better at dealing with that. If I self impose some level of uncomfortability or suffering on myself, I find that I do much better. That is why during the school year, I get up at five o'clock, four 30 in the morning. I don't think I ever really, I got four 30 a few times, usually five o'clock in the morning. If I run, even though it's raining, hailing, sleeting, snowing outside, um, I've been riding a bike. I bought a bike for the first time, like since I was 15, uh, a few weeks ago, I've been riding my bike every day. That's not raining. Um, even if it's blisteringly hot, it's, uh, turning your shower to cold right before you get out. You, what you're doing is self-imposing some level of uncomfortability on yourself. And I think what that does is sort of like builds up calluses so that you don't get as freaked out later. Right? So it is like saying it's, it is the difference between warding off all stress and instead self-imposing stress so that when it happens, it's like, Oh, this is something I'm used to. Like I I'm used, like I've run in a thunderstorm before, which I don't recommend, but I do, but I don't recommend it. Um, it is like I've swam extra laps or I've done, you know, extra push-ups, or I've fasted for several days or I don't eat bread anymore. Like it's that same feeling. I think that's part of it. The other part of it is, um, is, is like, I think just being as prepared as possible, um, but not being perfectionist about it. Right. It's like, just be ready, just be as ready as you can. And then just know that you're ready. Um, and, and I think part of it is you just can't, I don't know that you can stop stressing about it. I just think that it's like, it's there. So accept it. There's no way that you're going to like, I, I always lose sleep in the beginning of the year, I always still have the nightmares. That I show up to school without pants on. I still have the nightmares that everything that they're going to figure me out this year, that they're going to know that I'm not a very good teacher. Like that happens every year to me. Now I just noted as like, Oh, I had my first dream last night where I had, I showed up to school in my pajamas like that happened. And even that, is that the worst thing ever? I mean, showing up with no pants is weird, but like, if you show up in pajamas, it's actually not that bad. You're actually really comfortable. I once wore slippers on accident to school one day because I forgot to change my shoes. <laughs> I got the first period and I realized I had slippers on. Guess what? It was freaking beautiful. It was hilarious and it made me very comfortable all day. So th that's a couple things I'm thinking about. What do you got? Uh, Summer Tate. Awesome. My buddy, Summer Tate's been around for a long time. She's an OG on Real Rap with Reynolds. Um, I am collaborating with my seventh grade social studies team to develop scope, sequence, and lessons and would love your advice on how to politely veto an idea from a team without hurting feelings. Um, I think summer, the best way to do that is to not make it about you, but to make it about the kids. Say, I feel like what would really bring value to the students is if we did this or saying that's a great idea, but I, I worry about these particular students or this group or this grade or with, or given, you know, the boundaries of COVID or virtual learning or whatever, it's, it's not going to positively impact these students. 
Um, and that's how I get out of everything. It's kind of like summer when you have children. And then someone wants you to come to their Christmas Eve party. And before you had kids, you just kind of like didn't want to go, but you had to do it. And if you didn't do it, you kind of looked like a jerk. But as soon as you have kids, you can say, hey, you know what? Like the kids got to go to bed early because Santa's coming, you know, and I got to get them up or I got to get up early and get everything ready. It's like, uh, and they always go, oh, yeah, 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 that's great. So make it about the kids and not about you. And I think that that's how you win in that particular situation. Um... Darlin', that was the fastest answer I had all I day. Know. I know. I'm trying to be did better because I see all these great. No, I hope not. <laughs> Just kidding. Mm. There are a lot of great questions, so speed it oh, up. Sweet nectar of. Oh, Stephanie Henry said the bottom's the worst because all the sediments on it. She said try a different brand. No, they're all terrible. You haven't tried another. You said brand. that Stephanie Henry. Yeah. Does she? Is there a brand she likes? Yeah. It's, Does she uh, tell healthy. us? Yeah, I've seen it in the grocery oh store. We'll gosh, it doesn't help that I just brush my teeth before I do this yeah, too. Anyway, next one. Darlin. Darlin? That's a great name. I love that. We have another kid. Just saying. Oh, no. Um, that stage kid, is all done. That kid's named Danger. Um, how do you deal with having to do scripted lesson plans for school in the district? And I feel it drags me down as a teacher. So I hate scripted lesson plans. I think it is the dumbest thing ever because what it's doing is it's like it's assuming that teachers are wildly incompetent and that they can't figure it out themselves. So we need to have someone do it for us. Um, if you want script the lesson plans, it's like, dude, just get like whatever, like some program for your students to learn online so they can just learn from like Max Headroom or something. Um, only all the 80s kids understood that reference. Uh, I think that. The, the key is, re remember this, right? I almost want someone to give me straight scripted lesson plans because I can do it. Don't and say actually, that because you might get it well, this year. <laughs> and how, but who have I been working with lately, right? So I've been, I did yes. a deal with um, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, or I think that's how it's pronounced. Um, they, HMH, uh, we call them in the industry. Um, I, so I did a brand deal with them and I'm like, they're one of their online ambassadors and I'm on their new website called Teacher's Corner. Um, and so one of the gigs I did with them was they wanted me to take like a lesson from their textbook and then show how I would create content for this virtually. And I, it was like, I was really held to like what they did already. I couldn't change it, but what I could do is sprinkle magic on it. So it is, it was like, let me reframe, like, let me take your journal entry and I'm going to ask it like this or kids will respond in this way, right? So maybe they're acting something out. Maybe they're telling a story. Maybe they're writing a story. Maybe they're drawing a story. Maybe um, they are animating their journal entry. When we read in class, maybe we're reading together. Maybe we're reading separate. Maybe we're reading in small groups. Maybe we are reading with music behind it. Maybe we're acting out. Maybe as someone's reading, someone's acting something out or they're, or to show understanding you're going to um, okay, act out what he just said. Who, who just understood what just took place there? All right, I want you to reenact it in the front of the room. Um, or, or virtually, right? Or, or make a, a video out of it. Uh, or a movie trailer out of the story. Something along those lines. So what you're doing is you're not necessarily changing what's being asked. You're sprinkling magic on it. And the way you get away with that is you make it about the students. We all have far more courage when we make it about kids than we would about ourselves. A lot of us, right? And, I, and I'm saying this like because I, that's how I am. Sorry, just assume that the rest of the world is like me. It is um, not being afraid 
to do something slightly different when you know that what you're, what, the way you get away with it, right? And the, the actual the, the use that it's for is your differentiating instruction. And so when the principal pops into your Zoom call and he goes, what are you doing? This isn't what everyone else is doing. It's Friday at 1 p.m. You're supposed to be doing exactly this. Yeah, we were doing that, but I noticed some kids were struggling with it. So all I did was tweak it a little bit. We're still doing the same exact thing. We're still gonna have the same exact outcome, but we are differentiating instruction right now. Um, and I did it for the kids. And it, no, it's hard to argue with people when they do it for the kids. And so even if the principal pushes back, what are you gonna push back against? I'm doing stuff for kids. Like I'm trying to help kids win. Um, is that what we're here for? Or are we here to like check the boxes on our, on our, on our lesson plans? So that's, that's my idea for that. Uh, Mitch is at, oh, okay, cool. I like that it goes up there now. Uh, Mitch Ashley is asking tips for first year high school teacher that looks super young. Well, well, Mitch, being someone that looks not super young, um, <laughs> I think, so, People stand in different places for this. One, um, you can look really young, but that doesn't mean, that doesn't always mean something to your students, right? So like I, when I first started teaching, was afraid that like I didn't want to come off as cool or re even necessarily relatable in a sense that like um, I didn't want kids to know that we were actually that close in age, right? Even though I was 27 when I started teaching, um, that's still only 10 years away from my seniors. And so, and like, so that didn't feel like that much to me, but if you're 22 and you're teaching 17, 18 year olds, um, it's weird because you were them two minutes ago. What you'll find is that the students, because you are acting with authority, will treat you like you have authority um, because you're acting out of a space of being a mentor or a teacher or a leader, they will treat you as such. And I just think of all the people in my life that, um, so folks I've mentored, uh, that like have paid for my mentoring services, um, that are much, much older than I am. You find that like your commonalities, like you find that that's not an issue. Um, the person that mentors me, the person I go to spiritual direction with is actually younger than I am. So it's not age isn't always an indicator of that. Um, but I think that you can still have a profound impact going into the classroom. I just, I chose not to tell kids how old I was and I chose not to tell kids um, how until my second year of teaching, then I chose not to tell kids that I was a new teacher. Now I think you could go either way, but that's just a personal choice that I made because I didn't want them to see my, my hiccups as inadequacies. And so that's just a, a personal choice that I made. Um, but I think you just go in, like, I think you'll be very surprised that I was very surprised that when kids came in, look, kids have been indoctrinated for years that when you come in, on the first day at least, and someone tells you to sit somewhere, you sit somewhere. When you're asked to be quiet, you're quiet. When you are told to put your homework in a certain place, you put your homework in a certain place, right? Later in the year, kids will push back, maybe the second week or so, but um, it's like the kids have been trained like that. Now, the, the, I think the thing is how to untrain kids to do, for doing a lot of that stuff to just told to shut up their whole lives and then you have a classroom of kids that don't want to talk or are, are intimidated. Um, so there's a lot of unlearning that has to happen as well, but, um, I think that you'll be just fine and that, um, your kids will often also look at you that you're old. Cause you know, you're in, you're 22 now, right? And you're like, you're basically five minutes from death at this point because you're, you know, next thing you know, you're going to have babies and 
get married and, you know, you have a 401k. I mean, you're basically dead to everyone. So that's it. <laughs> kids, I tell kids I'm 43. They're like, damn, bro. It's so funny. You're on the back end of life now, buddy. You're on the, you're on the other side of the mountain. Downhill slope I know. to death. <laughs> or they tell me I look really young. Because they all think I dye my hair gray. Still. It's Reynolds. hilarious. How often do you have to dye your hair? Bro, I don't dye. This is... We need to get like a picture, like a trajectory picture of your hair throughout your teaching career, how it's grayed over the years. Started with just one. And then the more <laughs> students I had, the more years I taught, the more Gandalfy I became. Uh, my buddy Anna Ballerina is asking, I just learned that my dream college doesn't allow me to do a double major in both ballet performance and secondary education. Dance majors can only double major in arts administration. Any advice? I would say... Wait, that's a great question. Isn't that? Didn't we have a book called Anna Ballerina or what, was something else? Something ballerina. And I just thought, is about that about the real? mouse? Yeah. I just wondered if that's her real name. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Maybe never she just loved the book. Um, gosh. I. I would say this. <sighs> Let's say this without pissing anyone off. Let's try. I think. Oh, Angelina oh, Ballerina, yes, someone said. Thank you. Nice, good job, good job. Similar. Uh, I would go to school for ballet because that is an art that you need coaching for and mentorship, and it is so much technique has gone into it. I think you, so. You couldn't do an alternate route to baller, to ballet. I just don't think you'd be a very good ballerina, but it, you can do an alternate route to teaching. I think that teaching is about learning in a classroom very few things that we created majors in college about that is that if we were giving kids more one-on-one, -on -one, like or if we were giving kids more actual experience in classrooms, engaging with young people, learning things firsthand, and then reflecting on it and then learning about it, it would be more useful, but we don't. So I think that Largely, education programs in colleges are far too long. There's, you don't need education classes for four years. It's just not necessary. Um, but we need to fill the gap. We need to, like, you know, put some filler in there. It's like when you buy French fries. They're not 100% potatoes. They're just, like, there's, like, rice flour in there and crap. Um, so then I would figure out a way later to maybe you could go for your master's. You could do an accelerated master's, like Tracy Pinter's doing right now. Or you could do, like, an alternate route program. You could do something like TFA, even though I have some issues with TFA. But, like, largely... You know, as I've said many, many times before, some of my favorite teachers have come out of TFA. Um, but I, that's what I would focus on. You can always go to school for ballet. And then I think tutor, work at schools after school, like work as sort of like with a program or something like that. Get involved in clubs that are helping young people. I think that that would really benefit you because then you're still getting that one-on-one -on -one time with young people and trying to help them in, in some way, shape, or form. So that's what I would focus on. Uh, I forget that she's in high school all the time. Who um, is? Annabelle Arena is in high school, oh. and she shows up every week. Isn't oh, that awesome? awesome? It's like Imir. She she should be friends with Imir. That's totally. that's my new plan. Um, uh, Nick, uh, have you ever read Taylor Molly's book What Teachers Make? I always keep it in my bag as a resource um, of inspiration during difficult teaching days. Just started your book, and I'm loving it so far. So first of all, thank you very much for reading my book. I appreciate it, and uh, your support is, like, not lost on me at all. Um, second, I'm just going to go ahead and say, I know Taylor Molly. Um, 
I only met him two times, but we had long conversations. And we did a teacher talk live. With we him. did. So he's on it. It's, yeah. You so you find it probably on the podcast. I think. It is. Yes. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there because I don't know a lot of people, but when I do know someone, I want to act like it's a big deal. Uh, I wish some glimmer came off my teeth right now. And like he sent that. us his like little like dice conversation yeah. thing, his yeah. dice game that he made. So, so I think that poem is fantastic. If no one's, if you have not watched it. Taylor Molly's What Teachers Make is a great poem. We'll get you all fired up for the beginning of the school year. Um, and he's a great dude. Uh, so I've not read his book, but I've read tons of his poetry. Um, and we did an interview with him. He did like essentially this with me back when I used to do this with a guest. Um, and if you go on the podcast, so if you just search uh, Sunday Night Teacher Talk podcast, it will show up. I can you get to it from the website yet? Did John make uh, yeah, that happen? You can get there. Mm -hmm. If you go to realrapwithreynolds.com, you can find our podcast there. But it's available on every place that you can get a podcast. And then just search for Taylor Molly. And we did a whole conversation. It was really fun. And he did a really great job. Um, Alex Brienne. I don't know. I, I gotta stop saying people's last names because I just get screwed up. And it's not fair to the people whose last names I can't say. <laughs> Alex is asking. Um, there that? we go. I have a pre-interview phone call with a potential school principal tomorrow morning. Any idea what that entails or how to prepare for something like that? Thank you. So I would say, Alex, first of all, um, I would what, how I would practice for this is sit today and imagine you're on the phone. This is going to look, you're going to look like a wacko. So if you live with people, they're going to be like, dude, this guy's insane. Um, what are you practice? what you would say, practice your story. Why'd you get into teaching? Why our school? Why that subject matter? What do you, what do you, how do you think like learning virtually, how are you gonna be able to bring some life to the classroom? Um, how do you, what do you think the, the most important thing is in education? Um, how would you deal with students that don't wanna learn this year that are just not gonna pay attention because it's virtual? Um, it's thinking about answers to things like that and I, I think to me, when I go into an interview, when I'm a part of an interview, when I'm like someone's trying to be a, an employee at our school and I get asked to be a part of that process, I think enthusiasm sells me the most. And that's not just because I'm an enthusiastic guy and you don't have to be like crazy, you know, like uh, sort of like I am. But what I want to see is that you want to be here. What I want to see is that this isn't just another school on a list of a number of places that you'd like to have a job at, that you can see yourself being a part of this institution and why. So do a little bit of homework on that school. And then I would, you know, when you talk to them, thanks so much for having me today. I'm really excited about talking with you. I think your school is a really great fit. Um, I could really see myself being a part of the community. I was looking on your website or reading this article in the newspaper and like, you know, by the way, congratulations on last year's football win or the play looked really amazing or I really love field hockey and your program looks amazing. What you're doing is you're already inserting yourself into their story and showing that you did a little bit of homework and that you're excited about it. And that, and I think selling the idea, I, the other thing I look for is that you're not trying to be the one. Anyone that shows up and they're like, I got this, I'm, I got it on lock and you don't need the community. Um, I think that discounts everybody that's a part of the community already. So like, I'm excited to meet your other teachers and learn from them. And if I have problems, like I would turn to my fellow teachers and see what they would do. And that kind of thing, um, I think is what wins. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And, and don't be afraid about being nervous. They already know you're going to be nervous. Everybody that goes, it's like the, it's like 
the first time you go in for an interview or you meet someone, they already know you're going to be nervous. And so just, just move through it nervously, but like, know that like, don't beat yourself up about that. It's not a big deal. Um, cause everybody's nervous. Um, so best of luck to you tomorrow. That's awesome. Uh, Dylan is asking, didn't you go to Rowan university? That's where I went. I did go to Rowan university. Uh, so I went to Camden County college first and I actually loved Camden County college. Um, I would love to connect. I'd love to do something with community colleges in general, because I think that they are a great stepping stone for individuals that can't afford, um, like classic college. And I think that they are often like just downplayed and shit talked all the time. And I think that they provide a lot of value for people. And, and it's, is a great, like much more cost-effective resource. Um, but I did go to Rowan university and I went there before, uh, it got really nice now. Like it's all huge and beautiful and they have like a downtown and stuff. Crap when I was there, there when I it was like, when, when, like the heat would break and you were in some <laughs> old room and like some, uh, I forget what the building's called, but it's the building with like the clock tower on top of it. That's where all the English classes were. And there'd be like 33 of us in a 30 room cl classroom with like no heat in it. Um, but the teachers that I had there, especially with the English department were fantastic. And, uh, the, there was a woman who I don't think works there anymore named Dr. Jorgensen, who was a part of the education department, who was my favorite teacher. And she like some of the ideas she gave me still stick with me today. She was fantastic. Um, where are we going? Dale classroom. Yeah. Who just posted it? Nicole just sent that through. Oh, that's my mom. Mm -hmm. Is that Mike Campbell? Yeah, and my brother. Crazy. Uh, Dela, so my wife just got texts from uh, our sister-in-law of a picture of my picture. mom. Um, Dela Classroom is asking, I know, I know a lot of teachers who stress the importance of being professional, first-year teacher here. How do you interpret being professional in the classroom? I, to me... Wait, let me just put a caveat out oh, there. Yo. I don't know if you're really pro professional in any setting. You're, I think all your coworkers would say you're wildly inappropriate. No one. <laughs> Don't even come here. Mm -hmm. I just look. I think being professional is uh, no. Um, I am a fool in a lot of ways, but I think that being a professional is I'm always on time. I don't make excuses. Um, I handle my stuff that I need to handle. I am not afraid to have difficult conversations. I will do whatever I need to do to help students find success. And that's the bottom line, right? Being professional is being courteous. It's being kind. It's being polite. It's working through things with people. It's not shutting people off. It's not having a disagreement with someone and going done, never talking to you again for the rest of my life. That's, that's being childish. So that that's how it's handling yourself like an adult, um, and being responsible. To me, being professional isn't necessarily dressing a certain way. Although, you know, coming to school with like an old SpongeBob t-shirt on and like some stretch out pajama pants might, you know, you might be sending the wrong signal. Um, but that even, even that depends on you. I have a friend, uh, Case, that I work with. Uh, and Mr. Case wears Hawaiian shirts every Friday. He looks like a, uh, you know, what's that store? Joe's. Son? No, it's like Whole Foods. It's like Whole Foods' little hippie brother. Oh, uh... Trader Joe's. <laughs> yeah, that's a case. I always see them. I'm like, bro, you work in Trader Joe's tonight? Um, or the Crab Shack. So, that, but that is... 
I think professional isn't isn't like buttoned up, stodgy. Like, all right, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, about to get started. All right, you never want to sit down, take out your number two pencil. You can still do that. But you can still have fun. But I so I would say that being professional isn't an absence of fun or tomfoolery. Right, I love that stuff, and I think that it it, it comes naturally for me. So I'm not going to not do it. Um, I do a lot of things that are seemingly unprofessional. I do a lot of dumb stuff. Um, when I pull fake mice by, I tie them to the fishing line. I pull them down the hallway because I think it's funny and it scares kids. Um, that I put fake ants and flies on people. Some people think that that's not professional and it's not getting kids ready for college. But I don't know. It's like, did anyone ever go to college? Are the people that are talking about this, have they been to college? Have they seen, seen what happens in college? There's a lot of unprofessional, I don't like air quotes, but I'm gonna use them. Unprofessional looking things that happened in college. Um, I just don't think that, 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 that being professional is the absence of being fun um, or having fun. You know, the end. Uh, that's a great question though. Uh, Bubba the Raider. You just won <laughs> best name of the night, Bubba. Uh, do you rock a syllabus? I do. If so, how do you... Oh, that's changing this year, though. Let me break this down for you. Um, if so, how has the uncertainty of the school year changed what goes on your syllabus? I'm building a new class and getting... Trying to get ahead, uh, but I'm struggling. So I would say first, my syllabus is on my website, isn't it? It is. So if you go on the website under classroom resources, you'll yeah. find the syllabus. So you can go see it for yourself. Yeah. And so... Um, I've, and I've changed a couple of things. Like I took my school name off of it. So people, it, but it's completely downloadable and you can just steal my exact thing that I use. One, I try to make my syllabus look fun. Two, um, what's on my syllabus doesn't change that much. It's like, I don't have a lot of classroom rules. I have one rule, which is give respect, get respect. I put things on there like, Hey, look, this is how late work rolls. This is how, um, you know, what we'll be doing essentially this year. This is how you can contact me. This is where like my email address or our Google classroom, uh, link is or or the the class code for that or whatever it's logistical stuff mostly and I try and make it look fun that being said because we have completely new uh, admin this year and they're trying to make a make us appear more professional I don't I'm not weighing in on that yet I'm just saying this is the plan for the year um, they are streamlining what our syllabus or syllabi are supposed to look like so my fun syllabus, I don't know is going to actually happen. What I think I'm going to do is have the professional syllabus that no one's ever going to want to read uh, because sitting through eight classes of someone with the exact same looking syllabus telling them basically the same crap is going to just bore everyone. I think it's like, here's the one I have to give you. Here's the one I made. Here's the one I think you're actually going to look at. And that's how we're going to do it. I'm going to maybe I'll just make it two sided and just have, you, the, you know, each side on, on each one. But um, yeah, I, I just think that like syllabi are so boring most of the time. And that's different for different people, right? Like my friend Cho is an eight page syllabus. What the hell, Cho? What, come on girl, what are you doing? And she loves it. It's her personality. It's her jam. For sure. <laughs> um, Kellen White is asking, starting my first time, or wait, starting as a first time assistant teacher next week. Uh, I'm a career switcher. Good for you. That is fantastic. I love hearing that. Any advice? What would you want from assistant in a virtual classroom? Kellen, the number one thing I want from any... So look, I I have had, I don't know, I think seven co-teachers at this point, right? And I had like seven co-teachers in, I want to say it was like eight years, something crazy, right? It's just like some ridiculous number 
that I've had to get to know new people. Some last, some don't. One lady lasted one day. She actually didn't even last the whole day. She went to lunch and she never came back. Another guy lasted until Christmas. Um, another person lasted a year. Uh, another person lasted a half, or like, I guess, half a year and then a month. Um, people just, they come and go all the time. So I think my co-teacher this year is the same woman, Kayla, that I was with last year. I'll be with again this year, but we'll, we'll see. That being said, I don't like giving control over of my class to anyone because I just don't know if they're going to come back. And I don't want you to implement a whole unit or whole lessons or anything like that. That next year, now I have to refigure out what I'm looking for is someone that's going to have my back. What I'm looking for is someone that's going to help the students. What I'm looking for is that when I'm teaching and doing my thing, and we can even have some back and forth, like I want you to be a part of the community and I want it to be like a, an actual co-taught class, but um, you're looking for students that are having a hard time. You're looking for kids that like are flying under the radar and then catching them before they get too far away. Um, because the teacher, the, the lead teacher can't always see that stuff because you're busy delivering content, facilitating entire groups, and I feel like that second person has the ability to see things that someone else isn't seeing. Um, and then you're working together to come up with solutions for that. I also enjoy sometimes when the person I'm working with, um, I like when they take uh, some of the grading, they take some of the grade input, the comments back to parents, the communication to parents. So we'll like divvy those things up so that I'm not stuck with all of it. Because um, it just allows me to do the few things I have to do better than doing all of this stuff. And the other thing is, uh, is some of the plan. So like sometimes, um, like Kayla would be in charge of like vocabulary, right? So if she's in charge of vocabulary, that means every Monday morning she has words. It means every five to 10 minutes at the beginning of every class is vocabulary review. And then Friday is the assessment. If I don't have to do that, that's a huge load off my plate, but it's just one thing for her to plan. And it's very systematic and it's very rhythmic every, every week. So that helps a lot as well. Um, but what you're doing is, is you're, you are as you ever like wash dishes and you wish you just had like an extra hand or two. That's kind of what you become is like that extra hand or two. And then as you build your relationship, your responsibilities can grow, you know, your partnership in the class can grow, like all that stuff can grow. But as a first year, that's why that's what I would appreciate. So Kayla, if you're watching this right now, know that that's what I need from you this year. Um, and then ask them what they need from you too. Like it's worth asking that as well. Uh, Brandon Johnston is asking, what do you do when it feels like class is going the wrong direction? Uh, you know what I mean? Oh, more than you know. Um, you tried everything to get back on track and nothing works. I think sometimes Brandon, gosh, that's such a good question. When class is completely awry, one, I take a breath, I look at the madness and I know that if nobody's on fire, we're doing all right, right? Literally, like it's like this is, if this is the worst it could get. Um, the Stoics used to do a process called fear setting. And I think that this is totally worthwhile sometimes. Fear setting is imagining things being as bad as they possibly can. Your class goes completely off the hinges. The kid you tried to have a conversation with, the parent you tried to have a conversation with went off on you sitting and imagining that, like actually walking through it, picking up the phone, saying the thing to the parent, the parent screaming at you. And in the middle of the worst part of that thinking, 
is this the thing that I'm most afraid of, right? I think that's how they worded it. Is this the thing that I'm, that I most feared? Something along those lines. Um, and in doing that, you realize that it's not that bad. Like if you didn't get fired, right? Like if you didn't do, like if you didn't punch a kid in the face, if you didn't curse somebody out, if you didn't do something that was really like, damn bro. Um, all you did was lose control of your class because you're having a hard time with it. Like we can fix that. That can, that's something that can be mended. A relationship can be mended. You snapped on a kid and you didn't mean to, you gave someone an F, you, whatever it was, that can be mended. But then it's about figuring out why is your class going that way? Sometimes it's us, right? Teachers need to take this on, but not too much. Um, sometimes I'll ask classes that are completely, like have gone completely like ape shit. Um, hey, look, guys. Can I have everyone's attention? I just want to talk for like 60 seconds and then I want to hear your feedback. Can you hone in on me for 60 seconds? Right. Um, nope, nope, I said 60 seconds. You, that's not looking at me. Can you just pretend you're looking at me? You can even be thinking about swimming pools. I don't really care, but I just need your eyes on me so that I know that you're, you're paying attention. Right, thank you. Um, here's the problem. We're losing it here. This is not going the way that, we, that I want it to go and I don't think that's a class that you want to really be a part of. Why? I don't want you to be 100% honest with me. Like, and, and, and if you can't answer right now, know that this is an ongoing conversation. Like, what could we do better? Like, what sucks the most? And then when you get kids talking about that stuff, you start to realize, and they start to realize, this is not optimal. How could we make this the best thing possible? And so when kids start to talk about that, kids have ownership over the class, you can start taking some of those ideas and the next day when you come in and go, yo, real quick, 10 second announcement before we get started. <clears throat> I really appreciate you sharing that stuff with me yesterday. Really appreciate you being open. Um, I've tried to implement some of that stuff today, all right? So this first thing we're doing is based on, you know, Tony's idea of we don't get to like get out of our seats in class. So this first part, let's see how we do with this, right? Cause I'm listening to you. So I'm doing the thing you wanted me to do. Let's see if we can do it now. Is that cool? Rad. And then you start implementing those ideas Students start having a say in the class. They start having ownership in the class. It's not your class. It's our class. Um, and I think that that's where things really work. The other thing is finding if there are kids that are like your top three kids that are like problematic in class, like they're the most distracted, they're the most agitating to their, to their peers or they don't pay attention or they're off point. It's pulling those kids individually at some point during the school day and finding out what's going on. And that usually, I've said this in videos a hundred times, um, it's usually, I start off by saying, dude, here's what I'm seeing, right? I'm not, there's no blame here. I'm telling you what I'm seeing, right? So already, I don't want kids to jump to the defense, right? Um, it is, did I do something that might be causing this sort of behavior? Um, and then kids have the chance to speak back. Yes, you are seeing that. No, you're not seeing that. Because sometimes, dude, sometimes we see things wrong. Sometimes a kid was, was just asking someone a question. Sometimes something funny just happened. You didn't know about somebody farted in the back of the class and no one knew about it. And now everyone's acting out. And it's like, it had nothing to do with you. They're not talking about you. This isn't a reflection on you. It's a reflection on the fact that they're kids and somebody farted and it was funny. And now we're all laughing. I mean, I'm 43 years old. Someone farts, I laugh. You know, I don't care if I'm in church or not. Um, it, so it's, it's, trying to communicate with the kid and saying, did I do anything? Then you, if you didn't, so if they say, so actually if they say you did, dude, you never call on me every day. I freaking raise my hand. You call on everybody else. So I'm not paying attention. You don't pay attention to me. You can check yourself and go, dude, I really appreciate you saying that. Watch, I'm going to call on you. 
better have some friggin' answers for me, but I'm going to call on you more. And then if it's not you, if they go, no, it wasn't anything you did, then what's going on? And then when they say no, I break it down. I have a systematic way that I break this down. I go, well, look, how's home? Cool, right? How's school? Cool. And if there's a problem, if home's not so good, but they don't want to talk about it, there, you at least know something's going on there. And the more you try and work with the kid, the more stuff comes up and comes out of students. And then you get to a place where that works. The other thing is getting the majority of the class that's not screwing around, but it's reacting to the kids that are doing the thing, right? So the kid that's always like flicking something, screwing around, saying something, you know, trying to be funny, whatever it is. It's talking to those students and being like, dude, I have this whole amazing thing planned. We're going to do that. Like that thing you wanted to do, I'm doing it full tilt, but I can't do it if we're not paying attention, right? So it's like, I'm not going to make an awesome meal if no one wants to eat it. So like we made this meal together. Let's enjoy it. Let's do this thing. And so you're helping those students to know that they have power also that by directing their attention elsewhere, that that student is like, what you're doing is taking oxygen away from their fire um, until you can deal with that student. That's so it's a big complicated question, but that's, that's the, the basis of, of what I'm, I'm going for. Um, and if we were talking in person and I knew your class and I knew your students, I'd be able to give you like more exact direction, but that, that's a good starting place. Um, Timmy is asking, I have noticeable facial tics and I'm wondering if I should address them with my class and parents. I'll be teaching at an elementary level and I think that uh, would be ultimately be good. Just want to be sure. Yes, is my short answer. Um, and look, maybe this is easier said than done because I don't have uh, like a facial tick or, or some something that would um, like a birthmark. I, I think I've worked with a lot of different educators. I've had a scar or, or something along those lines. Um, I think saying the thing, what you do immediately is you take the power back from it, right? You are, you are owning it and you are saying, yeah, I do this thing sometimes. It's kind of like, this is what it is. Let me break it down for you. This is why I do it. Right. So like, um, folks that I've worked with, I, I did a, a really great call with a woman who, uh, has had Tourette's her whole life. And she said, sometimes the Tourette's doesn't show up and sometimes it does. And it's this really maddening thing because you don't know, like her teachers never said anything about it. And she said that the number one thing she wished is that they would have at least acknowledged it. And so by you acknowledging it in yourself, also dude, you don't know what kid in your class has something about them that they might be insecure about. Maybe they have Tourette's, maybe they have a tick, maybe they have a speech impediment, a lisp, maybe they have a learning disability, maybe they're dyslexic and it's something you can't see. It is something they're silently suffering from. I think celebrating those differences and letting people know that it's cool, that it's all right, that I'm a grown up and I'm, this is a thing and that happens, right? And I have zero control over it. Um, but I found success anyway, that I'm awesome anyway. Um, that that's making me get teared up a little bit. Uh, so, but I, you know, I basically cried everything. Um, <laughs> it is, I think that that is the way that I would rock that. And then it just becomes this kind of thing like that happens sometimes. Um, yeah. Uh, my buddy piano boy is asking, I want to do, I want to know what Ron's favorite candy bar is. Do you know what my favorite candy is? Uh, it's anything chocolate. Yeah. What's our favorite candy? Mine. I would have to Wait. Are you pulling over here because our son looks like 
Yes. Like, come. I'm going to use a shower because I like playing with loose hair. Uh, you're awesome. You're handsome. I know. What's your What's my favorite candy? Oh. What's in my top three? That thing that has like the cream inside and it was like it's like a weird thing, and like I Not like I tried it before and like I thought it Milky was... Ways. No. Not me. Caramel. No. Creams? Car caramel creams. I do love caramel oh, creams. That's okay. my old man jam. Um, Junior Mints, Sour Patch Kids. And probably frozen Milky Ways. That's my jam. You eat a Milky Way and have a cup of coffee, man, heaven just rained goodness down upon your life. <laughs> so when we send our kids to the swim club, they have frozen Milky Ways for, what, 50 cents, I think they can get them yeah. for. So my kids eat a lot of frozen It's like a dog Ways, treat. I'm not you're just there. gnawing on that thing for I you. Know. Like, <laughs> That's the noise you make, too. Michelle. Michelle Rosa. Oh, someone said, John said frozen Snickers are better. Michelle, are you the person that I sent a book to? Do I know your mom? Can you tell that? I feel, I feel like I might have asked you that before, but I've only ever known someone with that last name once in my life. Anyway, um, Michelle's asking, hey Reynolds and Jen. Hi. Yeah, girl. Uh, I have eighth grade science and we're doing 85 to 90 minutes. Sorry. Blocks. What's the most effective way to break up the time? So if, first of all, um, I have an idea about this, but I've never taught uh, block classes before. Um, if, if anyone has, I would love for you, if you could reach out to Michelle, it's Michelle Roselle. Um, one, I would love to know how are you doing that in person and how are you doing that virtually? So Michelle, I would say my, my piece for that is building in breaks. Um, building in moments and, and that are, so I would say this first, I like to put my schedule on the board and I, and even if we're, since we're doing it virtually this year, um, I want kids to know on the front end, this is exactly what we're doing today. And this is how long each activity is going to take. As I think, I always love that they did this with, uh, on, on, I don't watch sports very often, but like sports center does this thing where they have like all the stories coming up on the side, they tell you which one you're on. So like the, the little, you know, thing moves every time you move on to the next activity, because I want kids to know that this writing activity is only five or 10 minutes, right? So if you hate writing, all you gotta do is stick out five or 10 minutes. I also want kids to know that if you're screwing around, you only have five to 10 minutes to do this. So like, gotta get, get on there. Um, and then, oh, she said we're going virtual for the first nine weeks. The other thing is, um, is trying to build engagement in that, oh gosh, but I, I, hold on, I'm, 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 the pieces of the puzzle are moving around in my head as I'm thinking about this. Um, I try to build engagement um, when we're doing something that kids don't like to do, so it's broken up in sizable chunks, right? I don't want anything to last too long. And that depends on your students. It depends, like, you might have really good students that can really focus in, that can really pay attention for a long time, that are really high achievers. That's a different animal. I usually teach kids that are, like, on a, on a much lower reading level, that struggle with the subject matter, that struggle with being in school, and they are the kids that, like, school was made for this type of student, um, and they are this type of student. Um, or am I staying away from my metaphor? I got in trouble for this metaphor on Twitter, but I'm going to tell you for you anyway, because it's in my book. Um, I said that school is made for vanilla children, but what happens if your kid's mid-chocolate chip or Rocky Road? Meaning that we 
school not has is school is for kids. Yeah, it's not race related. That's people on Twitter thought I was being race related. But anyway, it's it's saying like school is made for kids that are good at at consuming information, regurgitating it on a test, sitting still, being quiet, and being compliant. What happens when that's not your jam? What happens when you need to move around? What happens when you have a learning difference? What happens when you are not seeing yourself or you're learning the way that you learn best in the way that is being taught or the way that the class is being facilitated? And that's problematic. So what you want to do is make sure that you're differentiating. So that's if I had a 90-minute block, I would make sure that there was uh, a part where we were reading, part that we were writing, part that we were working together, part that we were out of our seats. I'd build in breaks. I'd number everything. So like, all right, this is 10 minutes or five minutes. Or this is 20 minutes we're going on. We got this, 20 minutes, no problem. This is what we're going to do. Um, I'd be very clear and concise in what my outcomes were uh, so that kids knew what to do and knew that in this 20-minute chunk, you only have 20 minutes, but this is the outcome we need to see at the end of this. So you're producing this thing and then I try to sprinkle in as much fun as I can because I just think that school largely sucks um, and that might be the greatest 90 minute period of those students day. So that's, that's really right, I think. It's not anything like out of the ordinary or crazy, um, but I see a lot of other people kind of speaking to this. So I think that that's, that's really awesome. Um, yeah, my answer. We're gonna go for the next 15 minutes. Let's do it. And Little space freckles. Speed. That's not speedy. Sorry. Get. Sorry, wife. I need water. Sorry. Um, little space freckles. These are. Uh, let's try and do fast and furious, which will probably just be slow Regular. and laborious. But uh, how do I have that authority without coming off as a drill sergeant? I was told to be friendly, but don't be their friend. Um, everybody has an answer. Look, every all the teachers like to think that their way is the way. And it's just like, it's just like when you're raising kids, like, it's like people think that like the way they raise their kids is the way people think if they lost weight and I do keto and it worked, then you need to be on keto. Why aren't you on keto? Cause keto doesn't work for everybody. Just like low carb doesn't work for everybody. Just like, I don't know, Zumba doesn't work. didn't work for everybody. Right. You had to find the thing. I can't believe I just said Zumba. Um, but you have to find your thing. I think. So the little bit I've seen of you interacting um, on social as, and even your profile pictures over the years, I think that you are uh, closer to my personality than maybe someone that's very strict. I have fun in class every day. I just don't suffer fools. And what I mean by that is that if I am acting up right now, look, the, here's the fear of teachers. Is that if you are being friendly, is that, if that you're being wacky, is that you're teaching with, whether it's a gorilla arm or fake microphones or a megaphone or a magic eight ball or any other crap that I have around here. When you do that stuff, kids are going to act out, right? It's like all of a sudden your class becomes a circus. All of a sudden your, your, your classroom is unruly. No one's paying attention. And there can be a little bit of that, right? Like sometimes you just have the right joke and there's the right amount of madness and it's an explosion of, of laughs or of, of, of acting out or whatever. But you expect it, right? You tell a joke, you expect people to laugh. Sometimes they'll fall on the ground. Sometimes they're hitting each other on the back. Sometimes they're high-fiving. Sometimes they're like, oh, and it gets crazy. But you gotta know that that's what happens when you do those things. That doesn't mean we're not learning. 
that when I do say, um, when that happens, when I do something crazy, when I do something funny, when I do, someone else says something funny and we just all take a moment and laugh, you can say, all right, cool. I need you back in five, four, three. All right, nope, wait, that did not work and I'm not gonna do it again because they need us back. And then explaining, that was hilarious. Um, the reason I call you back though is, yo, we still gotta get work done, right? Like we can be at the gym and having fun, but we still gotta do workouts. I have all these super masculine it's examples you're watching, tonight. CJ's been watching a lot of been watching this shows. show called Kingdom, which if you are not watching this show, it is friggin' awesome. There's only three seasons of it. It's on Netflix. Everybody should go watch Kingdom. Um, so the no Kingdom's not on Netflix, is it? I thought no, it was, it was on Showtime. No, it was on Netflix. Oh, because it was okay. originally on Direct TV. Is that yeah. anybody had that? It's uh, a good those show. five people watched it, but it's great. Um, the the problem though is that teachers are not consistent enough and what i mean by that and they're not fearless enough or confident enough that when someone's talking in the back room when you ask people to go five four three two one and then you get to one and two kids are still talking or only half the class got quiet you cannot go on you need to stop you need to look at leon in the back i don't know why leon's always the name of the kid that i have a problem with because i never taught leon in my life but leon yo man I need you to focus on me. This is my class. This is my time to shine in the spotlight. I need you to focus on me, right? That helps. Um, or walking over to Leon and saying like, put your hand on him. I know different people have different opinions about putting hands on kids, but like um, knocking on their desk, put your hand on their shirt. Yo, my man, can you focus on me? I'm important. You're hurting my feelings right now. I'm trying to teach and you're not paying attention to me. Um, it's steering kids' attention back towards you or to the activity, but then always letting them know why. It's not because I'm in charge. It's not because I'm the, the king of the classroom or the queen of the classroom. It's not because um, I told you so. Yo, I need you to pay attention. Bro, I'm about to give directions. And if you don't know what's going on, guess what? I'm not gonna tell you what the directions are. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna tell everyone else not to tell you what the directions are also so you can fail this project. So focus in, man, 30 seconds. You can do it, hold your breath. And then you get back on. And I think that that stuff helps because it's, it's, you are, that's the, that's the deciding factor. Do you have the courage to face a kid down and say, I need you to pay attention because I want you to do well. And this is what we're moving into. You're going to have time to talk. You're going to have time to, f to have your time with your homies in, in a minute, but I need you to steer your attention this way. And it's when teachers cannot do that, when they don't stick to their, stick to their gun sounds a little bit weird and violent, but, um, that, that's Especially the problem. School that's the big thing. <laughs> but I think you can do that. And I think you can do that with love. You can be strict with love um, and, and not be mean or like a drill sergeant. Uh, TL is asking, how do you keep from feeling like a fake when you are not certified but working on it while teaching? Um, you're not a fake. Look, do, do you, you, don't need a, you don't need a certificate to be a teacher, right? You just need kids and Something to teach them. That's it. The end. You are not a fake at all. And that there are tons of teachers out there with certification that suck. Um, and that their classes are completely lifeless. Um, and their schools are terrible. And I don't mean that to demean people, right? I'm not trying to trash talk anybody and say that there's that certain kinds of teachers suck or something like that. But look, come on, man. I've had some teachers like that. I remember them in high school. They were terrible. Um, and so I think that you can do just as great of a job as anyone else, if not better just because your heart's in it and because you're kid-centered. If you are focused on community, being a part of the community of the school, and you're focused on educating students, you win. 
hell's that noise? I hear church bells. They're watching uh, Jaden animation. Oh, cool. Uh, Ali T is asking, um, how do you how do you feel about paras becoming teachers? I've been a para for three years and I'm trying to get certified as a teacher. What advice uh, to take the praxis? So three questions. I'll answer. This is a pretty quick answer. One, if you feel like you should be a teacher, go ahead and do it, dude. Be a teacher. I think that's a great idea. Um, I am not one of these folks like there, there's a there's a vibe and maybe you pick up on this sometimes. There's a vibe in the educational world that like co-teachers aren't really teachers that paras aren't really professionals they're it's like you're a semi-professional that's that's bullshit what, what you are is if your kid again I, I we've had actually for our children we've had paras in classrooms that i liked better than the teacher because they were way more kid-centered they uh, really I, understood who brody was right I, I really liked probably all of their paras more than i liked the teacher they just were more helpful or, to my kid because we've they also were had co-teachers it's hard that, to teacher. The teacher wasn't bad, but the co-teacher got our kids phenomenal. better than the teacher did, yes. right? So I think that that's awesome. You should absolutely do it. Um, what advice on the praxis? I don't pass that one on to the group. If anybody else has advice for the praxis, because I failed the praxis the first time. Wait, say that louder. What? I failed the praxis the first I, time because I, I was going to Puerto Rico wait, to go surfing for two times? weeks, and I got excited, and I just wanted to leave. What? Didn't you take it three times? Well, you had to take two of them. I had to take one and two. Oh, so the okay. first one, I passed, I think the first time. The second one, the English one was like oddly specific. And they were, at, they were I remember there was a question about the book Beloved. And I was like, I never read what? the friggin' book Beloved. Yeah, like Toni Morrison book. And I was like, I never read this. Like, how the hell can I answer a question yeah, about yeah. it? It's biased. They're trying to get me. Um, so if you have any questions, Ali T is wondering uh, advice tips on taking the praxis. Miss Warren is asking, what are tips for being a teacher on camera? How would you learn about videography or what have you learned about videography from doing your channel? Hardware, mics, lighting, etc. All right, here's the quick version of doing this. One, have something interesting in the background, but not distracting. I always turn my computer, Monitor. you know, magical little woozily thing that's happened. Woozily, I just made up a word, um, off. There's not anything wildly personal. I'm always thoughtful of that because, you know, I don't want some, like, creep to see, like, you know, whether it's my plumbing bill or, like, my list of to-do things that I have up here. Even stuff that's on my calendar. Like, if someone zoomed in, they're not going to get, like, some secret information. I have my social security number up there or something like that. Um, and my calendar is wildly out of date right now anyway. <laughs> that's one. I would stay with the same background every day unless you're teaching different lessons. So I had this great idea this year where I want to teach lessons somewhere else in my neighborhood, in my community. Like if I'm teaching about the, if I was a science teacher, I was teaching about compost or, or the water or the woods, I'd go to those places. So I, but when I'm at home, I want it to be consistent. Um, always have the light facing you. So you can get a light ring. If you go on almost any of my videos that, um, have the description box filled out below, it's going to my Amazon store and you can see what light ring and what mic I use. I, this is right now on my iPhone. I have iPhone 11, 10, what the hell iPhone do I have? Yeah. Uh, Whatever the newest. hell the newest iPhone is. Um, I have this and I have a $70 light ring. Um, and I have a mic, I have a good mic, but it, which is an expensive mic, but that's 
You, you don't need that. It's it's not necessary. I would necessary. look up road mics. Road mics have different like variations, and some can just go plug right into your phone yeah. that are really easy. But Rode in particular is a yeah. good one. That's R O D E. The other thing is, if you don't have a light ring, if you can film with um, either day, like natural light on your face, so you set up in front of a window so that your the light is shining on your face, that's better than if you have lighting behind you. It turns you into a silhouette, and you're hard to see. Um, or getting lamp bulbs so like i have these crazy bulbs by this company wiz i'm not affiliated with them in any way w-i-z and i can change these to like being all different kinds of lights these aren't wiz yeah they are it's w-i-z yeah that, but they're by that. phillips oh phillips but they're the wiz bulbs by oh, phillips got called. it i got them at home depot they're like 11 dollars each or something um or you can just go buy daylight bulbs so like you get the different you know warm light or daylight or whatever Daylight is going to give you like the most natural looking light and it just lights your face well. Um, and then I think don't overthink it. Studies show that they've been doing recently because of all the virtual learning videos that are three to six minutes. If you're doing asynchronous three to six minutes long, you have a, almost a hundred percent attention rate of the students six to nine minutes. It drops to like 80% or something like that. And then after nine minutes, it's like, it's only your, your most attuned students are going to be able to focus. So it's keeping short and sweet. Um, Mr. Tran, Mr. Tian T. Tran, Triple T, is asking, I'm going to be a co-teacher this year in my first year uh, being a real full-time teacher. Dude, you're, you and Piano Boy are like the people that have like, you've been around for a really long time. We've seen you through college and student teaching, all that stuff. And I'm really just excited for you that this is happening for you. Um, and will be observed online. Any survival tips? Uh, make it about the kids and try and have fun. I think that if you're create, trying to create content online and have fun with it, you're going to win with students. So it's like keeping like centered on like, so it has to be, um, kids first and then curriculum, but you have to, that curricular piece has to be there. Sometimes people, teachers get messed up when they think that, that it's just fun and not curriculum. The, the reason we're making things fun is because it's the spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, right? You have to still teach the kids the skills and, and the things that they need to know, but you're just doing it in a more interesting way. And then I think if you're co-teaching, it's really leaning on that lead teacher that's been there for a while and seeing like, how are you, did they see you best helping in the class and then really going with that for a while too, like letting them kind of take the lead. And then you'll, what, the more you two work together, the more you'll start seeing like, how is this going to work? The, the benefits of this working, like, how are we complimenting one another? What are you actually doing better than I'm doing? Where, what are some ways that I lack that you should like be picking up the slack? Like you start figuring those things out and like filling the gaps of one another. Uh, Maisha, Maisha is another, she's an old head. She's been around forever. Um, Maisha Hutchinson is asking, what is the latest that you feel is appropriate to respond to, to emails for students and parents? I want to avoid 24 seven messages on my device. I tell parents, um, it's 48 hours and that's 48 work hours. So if you email me at 2 PM on a Friday, uh, I have until I think I, I give myself until Tuesday still because I don't look at any emails on the weekend. So I let folks know, and it's, it's worth if your school is, if you have, if depending on the school that you're in, if parents want that immediate feedback, it's setting up an auto responder and saying like, Hey, thanks so much for emailing me. Um, I will respond to you within the next 48 
business, like 48 hours, like but on business days. Um, and you know, but know that like I have your full, you know, I want, to, I want to get back to you. I, your, your student's success is number one. What if me. she's asking like the latest time? Latest time I think because, has to be dictated by because everything is virtual. So remember how like last school yeah. year it was oh like I was getting crazy. text messages from parents at nine thirty at night ten o'clock at night. So my plan this year, uh, look, and I don't know who's going to be happy with this or who can actually adhere to this, but I'm going to try to because I am being asked to teach from eight a.m. till three thirty virtually every day. At three thirty, I'm done. I'm not, I will do zero other work. Um, and I've taught for long enough that I can do that, I think, but there's no prep that's going into it. There's no extra stuff that's going into it. I won't do anything extra after that. Now, um, because I want, I want, to, I want the school to also see that like, dude, this is not, this is not doable. Um, but so I'm going to adhere to that. That being said, um, last year, because I could work whenever I want it, because we were completely asynchronous, um, nine o'clock was my cutoff and parents knew that. And so if you text me or, or emailed me after nine o'clock, I just wasn't going to respond to you until at least the next day, but it was a lot easier than to, to, to do that. So, um, and I tell parents, I prefer text messages or WhatsApp over emails. Cause it's just easier to respond. There's so much, there's so much formality that I feel like happens in emails that in a text, you can just shoot someone like an answer real quick. And it's not a big deal. It's not like, Thank you, Mrs. Smith, so much for answer for asking this question. I really enjoy having Tommy in class. And when the, all they asked was like, "Yo, what chapter is the test on?" It's like in a text, you'd be like, "Yo, chapter nine. Thanks for asking." Um, so that that's what I do. But it's whatever you come up with. It's sticking to that and letting parents know so that they're not wondering like, "Where the hell is this person? Why didn't they answer me back in two days?" Oh, I got the email responder. It says they answer me back within the next forty-eight hours. Um, Can you get <clears> through <throat> these last four? That's yes. Song. Here we go, Eric. Sorry. <laughs> Erica Hernandez is asking, I'm a first year teacher and I start my first day of school tomorrow. I'm teaching kids face to face and online synchronously. Um, I'm kind of scared and I'm going to mess things up. Any advice? Erica, you will mess things up. It is undoubtedly going to happen. The great part is it's going to be all right. So what? You mess stuff up, then you pivot. It's all about pivoting. Um, and when you can, can remember that, what that does is it gives you the grace to like kind of dance with that fear as Tony Robbins would say. Um, meaning you go into it knowing that eh, this might work, it might not work. Um, and if you do, then if you do mess up, it's learning from your mistakes, it's owning it, it's being vulnerable and talking about it maybe in front of your students or their parents or whatever and saying, all right, this clearly did not work and we need to change some things because your success is the most crucial, is the, is my most important thing in the world, is the thing that's the most important in the world to me. So let's change this up. Um, and then I think you just roll with that. And then you just make a lot of notes and you ask a lot of questions and then you keep showing back up here every Sunday to tell us what happened or in the Facebook group to see what happened and then getting help from people. What you don't want to do, the biggest thing, you, the biggest place that you could go wrong in this is to think that you're going to do it alone, to try and do it alone. And you can't, you have to work with other people. You have to be a part of the community. And just like anything, like if you were in a relationship with someone that was new, it's like, all right, I want to never get in an argument. All right. That's my whole goal. Dude, that's going to be the worst relationship ever. Cause you can walk on eggshells all the time. I think fail fast, right? That's what I would be looking at is how do I fail fast so I can fix things. And that, that's, that's what I'm, that's what I would get at. Um, and have some fun, right? Like, look, teachers, 
This job should be fun, even in the midst of all this madness. If you're not having fun, you're just going to burn out and die, and it's going to be the worst thing ever. Don't burn out and die. Have just figure out, decide that this shit doesn't suck, and that it's not so bad. That if we can make, and, and that takes being grateful for things, right? Like, I'm grateful that, and this isn't trying to be Pollyannish either. I have a job. I have a steady income. I have insurance. If I get COVID, I have insurance. Hopefully, right now, I don't because insurance kind of sucks right now but like i will be taken care of that like i have a home to work in that the side i can make the side of my laundry room slightly presentable for my students i, I think it's really focusing in on those things as well and that helps um uh, you're telling me to hurry yeah up, you're you know sorry i'm feeling like pastor reynolds right now all right enjoy life okay all right i'm done enjoy life do you have any suggestions on how to create green screen videos with distance learning i want to showcase the learning can still be fun. Yes, I have a video on this. It's called like, how to engage students in distance learning or something like that. How to have like fun that. with distance learning. Yeah. I think it's, um, it's right on my YouTube. It's like a f only a few videos down. Uh, and that's that's where I would send you. Um, and green screens are really cheap. Don't have to buy the expensive ones. Don't fall any for that. Graphic. It's basically anything that's green behind you. Um, it, you can get them for like $7 on Amazon. Michelle is asking... I spend a lot of time putting content together for my students. However, there are colleagues who complain that they feel pressured to do the same. How do I deal with this constant negativity? Michelle, all problem. teachers, I love this question so much. This is why. Do not dilute yourself because someone else can't do what you're doing. Do you think the players on the... Let's go, let's go sports again. No one on the Bulls told Michael Jordan, dude, you got to stop working out so hard, right? It's making us look bad. No, get your shit together then, kids, and, and do work harder and have more fun. You, all you're doing is dialing into what you can do, right? So it's like, I think that what you're doing is hopefully inspiring other teachers to raise the level of what they're doing. And so I, I think that that's the move. Do not not be as awesome as you can be because it makes someone else uncomfortable. That is not your job. They're grown-ups. They're freaking adults. You're trying to be there for kids, man. Keeping it awesome. Show up to things like this. Show up to things like the Facebook group. Connect with the people that are also doing awesome stuff and be around them. When they start talking that nonsense, I don't even, I'm not even in the room. I'm not even trying to be a part of that crap, man, because I don't want that to infiltrate my, my brain. Um, keep being awesome, Michelle. Uh, Sam Josh is asking, how do, we, how do we know teaching methods work, what teaching methods work best for students? Besides asking them, of course, even they may not actually know. So one is just paying attention and seeing. Two, ask their parents. Call parents and say, what do you wish I knew about your student? What do I need to know about your student? What classes have worked the best? What teachers have been the best? What lessons have been the best? And what do they not do well with? That will give you an insight that one, every parent, you will be their favorite teacher because nobody asks parents that. And two, they will. some parents are just like, damn, like, Yo, I even need a minute because no one ever asks me about my kid. They birthed that kid. They know that kid, so ask, the, ask them. Jerry D. White is asking, Hi, CJ. What is the purpose of the board in your room with the cutout pictures? Oh, so uh, that is, I do this thing every Friday called Weird Friday. And Weird Friday is all just like, it's, 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 I really could come up with a better name for it, but I didn't. And then it got called Weird Friday. It's been the same thing for like 15 years, so I just stuck with it. Um, Weird Friday is how I, and if you're interested in this, I have a playlist on my YouTube channel of all, of not all of them, but a lot of my Weird Friday videos I show. I introduce the students to something 
seemingly bizarre that they might not know about, like whether it's graffiti or reverse graffiti, different artists, different uh, creators that I like that make weird stuff just because it's fun with the idea that um, we always need to be curious. We always, as, as part of the reason I love this shirt, shirt says digging in the crates. Part of the reason I love this idea and I love the idea of DJing, even though I can't do it, is you're constantly looking for ideas and the things that inspire you might be another teacher, but it might be someone that paints. It might be someone that climbs mountains. And so it is showing students that I'm still curious. I'm still kind of always looking in the world of the esoteric to see what is like the most bizarrely beautiful, magical thing that I can find. And then I create a collage in my room of all the pictures of all those different things. So a lot of times as the year moves on, the kids forget, but if they look at that, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that time we learned about like Isaiah Zagar. Remember the time we learned about um, reverse graffiti or Phil Hansen or, you know, uh, I don't know, like mosh pits or, or something like that. Um, it's, it's so that that's where that all comes from. Teachers, I'm done. But let me say this first because we're 97 minutes in and I'm going to starve to death. This year is going to be, it's going to be crazy, right? We don't know what the hell we're doing with you. If you're going back in person, you got plexiglass in front of you and a mask on your face and crap like that. If you're teaching virtually, I don't know. It's, it's a nightmare and maybe you have to sit in front of your computer for eight hours a day. Um, know this, dude, one, we're going to get through this. This is not the end of the world and people have suffered far larger hardships than this in their lives. Two, you know, I, you are not in this alone, even if it's meeting someone virtually. Even if it's showing up here and posting your question and getting an answer, showing up here and sprinkling some magic on somebody else's question, being a part of the Facebook group or some other online community that you're a part of um, that is going to fill in the gaps of what you're doing, that no teacher, no matter what they say, is completely ready for this year because it is completely unknown and completely new for all of us. Let that be a joy to you. Let that be something that you're excited about. And when your school doesn't back you, when your admin doesn't back you, for those of you that I've communicated with, this is the move, right? Last piece of advice. When they have that first week of PD and you're going, oh my God, this sucks. And 95% of the room leaves. It's staying with the 5% and going, yo, I just heard all that mess. What are we really doing this year? How are we really getting down? How are we really helping kids? How are we really helping each other stay together? How are we really getting excited about this? How can we turn this on its head and have something that we're actually excited about? That those, I think, are the moments in human history when people have made something amazing is when they've had to make it out of nothing. Is when they've come from poverty to go into to, to be wealthy or successful. It is when you don't have, when, you know, as Jay-Z talks about in his book, when all the instruments are removed from public school. So what do people turn to to make music out of? The only thing that already makes music in the house. And that is making music out of a turntable. And so it is about getting excited about that idea despite all the nonsense and all the people that are talking at you and all the people that are trying to take, you know, air out of your balloon, smack their hand away, find the other balloons because, and this is a really corny metaphor, because those balloons are going to help support one another. Um, I think, I don't really send balloons in the air because it's terrible for the environment. Although one time I did that with a Mylar balloon and got stuck in the electrical line at the end of the street, caught on fire and the fire department had to come and... That's a whole nuts. other story. Yeah, I can't believe I just admitted that. Damn transformer balloon. Um, but that's what I'm thinking about this year. That's what I'm deciding to do, that the, the school year has no other choice but to be awesome. 
um, in, in the best ways that I can. And, and because what's the alternative to just get miserable and go and hide under your bed and drink a whole bottle of wine, which is difficult while you're laying under your bed anyway. Um, but that's it gang. I hope to see you here next week. 1 PM Eastern standard time, bring a friend. Um, you know, maybe someone needs this. Maybe someone has a hard week too. Maybe there's a new teacher in your school that could really benefit from this also. Uh, and that's it gang. Hope you have a great week. Peace. I don't know why I say it like that. Now I got to hit all the buttons. I love